Good morning, Cap City. We are glad you are here today. If you're glad to be here, let's give the Lord a great clap offering. Amen. Now, no matter how good it is, if Pastor Phil Springs was here, he'd say, I know we can do better than that. So let's do it one more time and just say we're glad to be in the Lord's house today. Amen. You may be seated for just a moment. I'd like to tell you that we welcome you here today. We'd like to welcome all of those who are watching online. You are a very important part of our fellowship, and we're glad that you have joined us. Hope that you can join us in person very soon. And we're also glad for all of you that are here today uh, at the Rathmel Road campus. We have a number of visitors with us today, and I just want to say, and we're going to give a big shout out and a big hearty welcome to all of our visitors from Hope Central. We are glad you are with us today. Let's give them a hand and say, welcome to Cap City. We love to see you. We're glad that you are here today. And the worship team. Uh, we have several members from Hope Central. Let's give them a hand and tell them that we love them. We're just going to let God have his way this morning. And whatever God wants to do. And we just want to just quiet our hearts and let God speak to us. This morning, Pastor Jacob Barker, not Jonathan Barker, Pastor Jacob Barker, uh, who is the Center will be preaching for us, and we need to be praying that God will open our hearts, our minds, and our ears until we can hear God's truth this morning. And we also need to be praying for our pastor, uh, Jonathan Barker, who is right now preaching to OCU students, the new students that have moved in, and trying to build a connection and a bridge to OCU to Capital City. And we're all for that. Amen? Yes, that's right. God's doing good, good, good things. Now, let me just tell you, it's our tradition that normally um, on a certain song that some of the pastors gather here at the altar, uh, you don't need to feel any pressure 
But if you would like to come and bring a burden or bring a prayer request, you can pray with one of the pastors. And uh, we'll be doing that. When you see the pastors come up, it will actually be on the fourth song. When you see the pastors come up, you can feel free to come and pray. If you just feel like I need to pray before that, that's okay too. Uh, we will pray with you or after that because the altar uh, is always open. As we begin to prepare our minds and hearts for this day, I want us to just take a moment. All of us have come from very busy, busy lives. And I don't know how your journey was into church this morning. Um, But she was a little frustrated because she got a new Apple Watch and she couldn't figure out how to get the band back on. And uh, so she, she was working with them. You may have got up this morning and uh, maybe got on the wrong side of the bed. Maybe the kids weren't ready and you say, we got to get going. Um, maybe you just had a thousand things on your mind. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to intentionally quiet our hearts. And I'm going to ask you to do something with me. I want you to bow your heads for just a moment. Close your eyes. And I want you to take just a moment. I want you to give God thanks for something that he's done either in your life or today. Just give him thanks right now. Thank you, Lord, that you have loved us. Now I want you to take just another moment and praise him for something that's happened. It could have been a miracle in your life. It could have been a provision in your life. It could have been something totally uh, that is just between you and God. But just give him praise for something that he has done in your life. Praise you, Lord, for your salvation to all of us. And then lastly, would you just take a moment, and I want you to worship God for some part of his character. It may be that he is holy. It may be that he is love. It may be that he is all-knowing. It may be that he is all-powerful. It may be all of those things. And so we thank him for what he has given we praise him for what he has done, and we worship him for who he is. Just take a moment and worship him for some character. God, you are holy, and we have gathered in your house. We have gathered in this place, and there is joy in the house of the Lord today. And as we open our hearts and our minds to worship, remove every distraction that would hinder us. And Lord, may our worship and our praise be a sweet fragrance and a sweet aroma. And Lord, may we experience the fullness of your presence today. We have come to have an encounter with you. We love to see other people, but Lord, we have come to have an encounter with you. And so, Lord, as we worship, 
Will you be blessed and will you bless us in Jesus' name? Amen. Let's all stand together and worship as co
tell you what, we'll do some introductions. Because as, uh, as Pastor David mentioned, we have, some, we have some guests up here this morning. Um, so over here on the far end, this is Stephanie. She's actually going to sing this next song. Uh, she's going to do a phenomenal job. Um, behind her is Abby. Uh, she's also on vocals. We've got Bill on the bass. Uh, and of course, you, you, know, you know Josh. Josh is here just about every week. Uh, on the drums this morning, uh, we have a, an old friend of mine named Jimmy. Um, and then my name's Colton. I play the keyboard sometimes. So we're, we're just going to keep this time of worship going. We just invite you to just worship freely, whether that means you got to sit for a few or you want to keep standing, whatever it may be. Um, just worship. Just worship with all that you have this morning. That's why we're here.
Capital City Church. We are so glad you are joining us for service today. Please share your updates, praises, and prayer requests on the connection card and drop it in the offering when it comes around later this morning. First time visitors, please let us get to know you through the connection card. At the end of service, you can take it to the visitor welcome desk in the lobby to receive a small gift. Because of your generosity, we now have 50 sponsors for kids this year. If you feel that God is still leading you to give, you can still do so online or by marking your envelope for Awana. Again, thank you so very much. The ECL ladies will be meeting at IHOP in Grove City on August 20th at 10 a.m. All are welcome to attend. If you have any questions, please see Kim Hendricks, Hey Kimmy, or Doris Fielder, The Doe. The Golden Saints are planning a trip to the Ark Encounter on September 7th. If you're interested, more details can be found on the sign-up sheet at the welcome desk in the back of the sanctuary. Thank you for supporting the ministry of Cap City Church. You can give online or by check or cash. See the back of the bulletin for more details. Please welcome special guest, Pastor Jacob Barker, with today's message. So I'm, I'm going to give you some, some praise here, all right? Um, so let me start off for a second. My dad pastored the church that I pastored for about 25 years. And when people would walk into our church, um, we always got this great um, compliment as a pastor, and, and my dad may or may not know this, but people will walk in and they'll say there's just such a sweet spirit about Hope Central Church. And I remember the first week my brother was here at Cap City, and he called me and he goes, dude, the spirit that's in Cap City. It's a beautiful spirit. And, uh, And uh, so I was here this morning at about 7.30 this morning, and I was running through my sermon, and I was doing some prep work, and I texted my wife, and I said, the same spirit's here. And, and that's the good news of the gospel, is that regardless of where we are and from a physical perspective, the spirit can be found where God's people are. And so I'm going to do, do something that may be unfamiliar to, to Cap City, but is very familiar. Central. Um, every Sunday before I preach, we do what we call a posture of prayer. Um, you understand worship and you understand prayer. The word worship in Hebrew um, actually is an active verb. It's not a passive verb. It's an action item. And so it actually symbolizes or connects with this idea of bowing before a Lord or a God. And so 
when they talk about worship, there is an action involved. And so what we're going to do is, is I'm going to ask anybody who is able to bow and take a knee. This is not, this, what this is about is before we open the word of God, we are asking that we posture our bodies and our hearts and our minds to receive it. Now, if you're saying, I can't bow and get on a knee, that's all right. We just ask that you would hold out your hands for a blessing. But we want to prepare our hearts for the word of God. And so, Lord God, as we come before you now, I love that the atmosphere of this place is saturated in prayer. And before we get into the word of God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would pour out on each individual in this room. Because without the Holy Spirit, we will not be able to understand and comprehend the word of God as you see fit. And so, Lord, we ask for a special blessing, a blessing of unity, as two churches today come together as one. And so, Lord God, I pray a blessing over this church, a blessing of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for that. It's, a, it's refreshing. I, you go back and forth, and if, you, if you're a pastor or a preacher, and you preach in different places, uh, one word in mind, be authentic. Be you no matter where you're at. And so I'm going to preach uh, just like I would preach at Hope Central. The only difference is I have a little bigger stage, and so I can walk a little bit more, which is good for me because I like to move. But we're going to be in Psalms 133. And I'm going to read it, but then we're going to explain it because here's an important thing that you need to know. The Bible is written for you, but it is not written to you. And a lot of people mistake that because they read it from a 21st century perspective, thinking that God is speaking to us in America, and he's just simply not. But it is for us, and we can learn from Scripture. And so Scripture says this, in Psalms 133, it says, Look how good and pleasant it is when, God, when brothers truly live in unity. It is like fine oil poured on the head, which flows down the beard, Aaron's beard, and then flows down his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon, which flows down upon the hills of Zion. Indeed, that is where the Lord has decreed a blessing will be available, eternal life. First thing I want you to understand is that in unity, there is blessing. When you are unified with other brothers and sisters in Christ, as we are today, we have Hope Central, we have Cap City. A few years ago, Grace and Lighthouse merged, and in unity, brought about a blessing. And today, we are asking and seeking a blessing. But it says here, and we skip over some things, but we usually skip right to the end because if we're honest, and, and we can read the Bible with honesty, we read it and go, we have no idea about the oil, and we don't really understand Mount Hermon, and so we skip straight to the blessing, right? I feel like we always read the Bible and we skip straight to the blessing, which is all right, but you'll appreciate it more if you understand the context. And so we skip to the blessing, and it says the Lord has decreed that a blessing will be available, eternal life. What if the lost person 
you're trying to lead to Christ is not coming to Christ because they don't see you unified with the body of Christ. What if they aren't coming to Christ because you aren't unified and restored and reconciled with those you love? I know Jonathan preached, I know Pastor Jonathan preached on reconciliation a few weeks ago. And so we look at this, but I want you to appreciate it for its historical context. This oil that it speaks of was a sacred oil. In fact, it was so sacred that God condemned anybody who tried to assemble the ingredients on their own. And he poured the oil over Aaron's head. Now, mind you, Moses, the leader of the Israelites, was Aaron's brother, and he poured out a blessing and ordained Aaron, and that oil covered his whole body from his head to the hem of his garment. And it saturated his entire body. In the same way, when we are unified as a body of Christ, every member of that body will experience a blessing from head to toe. If we stay unified. But then it goes on to talk about Mount Hermon. And I don't know how many of you know about Mount Hermon. But I'm guessing you, it's probably not like the first thing that goes off in your head when you think about Bible truth. But the beautiful thing about Mount Hermon is it's the only place in Israel you can go skiing. And, and the elevation is about 7,000 feet high. Do we have that picture of Mount Hermon? There it is. Look at that beauty. And the beautiful thing about Mount Hermon is it, the snow-peaked hills and mountains. But the interesting thing, you notice that it's, it's lush and fertile all around the mountain. But the interesting thing is Israel in and around that area is kind of a desert wasteland because it doesn't rain for months on end. And so what they're suggesting is this beautiful, majestic, powerful mountain stands over God's Zion his people, his nation, his city. As the warm, harsh weather of the desert rises to the sky, it meets the cold atmosphere of the mountain, and it creates a beautiful And it's mysterious, and it's majestic, because you wouldn't expect in a dry and weary land for there to be an oasis. And yet, that is the blessing of God. It's not harsh, like a rainstorm. It is gentle. And it penetrates deep into the soil. And it saturates the land for growth and revitalization. So when you picture blessing and you picture unity, but you don't understand the context of Hermon, you don't fully appreciate it. But the other interesting thing about dew is dew is promiscuous. In the sense that you cannot contain it. It goes where it wants to go. Same with the blessing of unity in the body. Blessing will flow into areas of your life that you weren't anticipating it to flow. It will reach out into communities and neighborhoods that you weren't intentionally seeking to reach. And yet the blessing of God doesn't care about where you want it to go. And then become what unifies us, and how do we 
maintain unity. I'm going to tell you, these three things can be applied to any area of your life as a believer. But there are three things you need to do in order to maintain unity in your life. You need to honor. Everybody knows 1 Corinthians 13 because that's the love chapter. We like that. It is not rude. Love is not rude. It is not self-serving. It is not easily angered or resentful. I remember growing up, my father would always say his definition of love was love does not seek its own. It's not about me. Over and over lately, God's put something in my heart and he's begun to stir something in my heart for probably about the last two months. So I'm going to teach you what we do at Hope Central, okay? I'm going to clap twice like this and you're going to say, Hope Central people, what do you say? Thank you, one Hope Central person. (laughs) I'm going to clap twice, and you're going to say, it's not about me. All right, ready? I need you to really, I mean, you sang beautifully. I even heard some shouts over here. Like, I love it. I need the energy. All right, you already professed it once. And so here's the thing that you have to take with you. The more you speak that over your life, the more you understand it's not about me. The problems and the issues in our life and in our society is we have a lot of people who think it's about them. And it's not about you. It's about an almighty God and his worship and his honor and his praise. And that's why we exist. And we have to understand that. And so I say that. It's not about you. And if we are going to live in unity, when I think about my marriage, I have to remember it's not about me. I also have to remember it's not about her. It's not about the kids. It's about working together as a unified uh, couple to glorify an almighty God. In the same way, we are to be unified as a body of Christ, seeking only one thing, his glory. Not mine, not yours, his. And so all other things fall aside. Because when we realize it's not about us, we're not attached to anything. We're not tied to anything. We're not emotionally invested in inanimate objects. 1 Corinthians 13 goes on to remind us that love is patient and keeps no record of wrongs. And so if we are going to honor one another, we need to make sure that unity has a long fuse and a short memory. As opposed to a short temper and a long grudge. There's too many many people out there with short tempers and long grudges trying to call themselves sanctified. Sorry. You can't be sanctified with a short temper. You can't be holy with a short temper. Now, I'm not talking about the person who acknowledges it and wrestles with it. I'm talking about the person who thinks it's okay. And then the grudge that you hold. How many of our churches aren't unified because of grudges we're holding from 20 years ago? We need to release it. And so we have a long fuse. Love is patient and love is kind. And so we have a long fuse and a short memory. Do you have a short memory? 
I mean, I'm not, <laughs> not talking about like you forgot what you ate for breakfast. Because the problem is some of you all forgot what you ate for breakfast, but you still remember who hurt you 20 years ago. And so, as, as Pastor Jonathan preached a couple weeks ago, we need to be reconciled, we need to be restored, we need to be healed, and we need to come together as a unified body of Christ, seeking to bring God glory. Romans 12, 9 through 10 says this, Take delight in honoring each other. Does it bring you joy to help other people? Does it bring you joy to put others first? Like, my, I think sometimes my problem is that I like to put my kids first often. But we need to find joy in putting others first. And serving others. It's okay to always be the first one to apologize. That's all right. It's okay to be the first one to surrender your desires. Because it's not about me. It's about him. The next thing, if we are going to maintain unity, we need to protect one another. I'm not talking about with our fists or if we're packing. (laughs) That's not the protection I'm talking about. Sometimes what we need to protect each other from in the church is our own judgmental stances on things. We argue and we fight over things that don't matter. I mean, we say it and we know the saying, right? And the essentials, unity. And the non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, charity. And we say it until something we get offended about we move into the essentials group. We need to make sure that what we are deeming essentials is what Scripture is deeming essential. Because honestly, Scripture is kind of straight to the point. Jesus. Salvation, grace, mercy, love, kindness, faithfulness. Those are pretty basic things. And yet we move theological views and different essentials and go, these are essentials. And we need to make sure that we understand the difference. But 1 Corinthians 10, 23-24 says this, You say, I am allowed to do anything. Rightly so. But not everything is good for you. You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. Living the Christian life, living a unified life with Christ and his believers means that you show grace and mercy and that if it offends another brother or if it offends another sister, you surrender it. Let me, let me give you this example. If someone is struggling with drugs or alcohol, you should probably not take them into a bar because that could cause them to stumble. And I think we would all probably agree on that, right? Like that's a fair assumption. If somebody is overweight and they need to lose weight and they've been told by their doctor that they need to exercise more and they need to eat healthier, you don't take them to a buffet. (laughs) I I, want to pause for a moment. You all laugh, but more people die of heart disease 
than they do drugs or alcohol. And so when we look at it, we have to hold one another accountable. And if a brother or sister in Christ comes to you and says, hey, my doctor told me, told me I need to lose weight, I need to be healthier, will you help me? You say, absolutely. What would help you? It would help me if we didn't eat out so much. Got it. We won't eat out so much. You see, it's putting yourself second and going, you need to better your life. I'll help you in that journey. Now, I'm not saying you have to stop eating the things you enjoy. I'm saying you respect your brother and sister in Christ enough that you don't put it around them where it will be a temptation for them. And that goes for all areas of life. If you know something a brother or sister in Christ, you don't do it. At least not in their presence. It may not be a sin, but it just might sit wrong with them. You live to serve them. Great example of this. Uh, so I was to lunch this week. Pastor Ed and Pastor David, Pastor Jonathan, we were all sitting around the table, and it was lunchtime. And the thing I love about Bob Evans is you can get breakfast all day long. I love breakfast. Uh, but I felt bad because it was like, Healthy meal, healthy meal, salad, salad, French toast <laughs> with strawberries and whipped cream and bacon and hash browns. Now, in my defense, I had worked out that morning, and I hadn't eaten anything else. But I know Pastor Ed had been trying to eat healthier, and he, and he had told me a little bit about eating healthier. And so he's eating this salad, and he looks over at my French toast, and he goes, man, that looks good. And I love them. That's it. You see, it's not about me. We, we like to make it a theological debate. I got friends who struggle with it, so I don't partake in it. That's my stance on it. I look out for others. Romans 14.1. Transitioning to our last point here. Liberty. We need to protect one another from ourselves, our own judgments, and then we need to show liberty and grace towards each, towards each other. Romans 14.1 says this, Accept other believers who are weak in the faith, and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. I want to inform you that though we may be full-grown adults, 
And that's the hard part about spirituality is you can't always discern someone's spiritual maturity. And so we treat everybody as if they are full-grown adults and they should know better. But we have to realize that not everybody has been raised with the privilege of knowing Christ from a small age. And so we show grace and we show mercy. See, I have a year and a half year old and, and he's a little boy and he's about this high and I love him. And he's everything I am. Like, he is me in a miniature version. And he's ornery, and he knows it, and he's cute, and he knows it, and he knows how to play mom, and he knows how to play dad, and he gets into everything. At a year and a half year old, at a year and a half, I don't try to argue and reason with him like I would a full grown adult. He just doesn't comprehend it. We have to stop arguing with people who have been in the church for six months or a year over deep theological principles. They're just trying to find Jesus, and we're trying to explain entire sanctification to them. I love it. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying, ease people into these tough conversations. Show grace and show mercy. Show liberty. 1 Corinthians 10.29 says this, It might not be a matter of conscience for you. You might not struggle with something, but it is for the other person. For why should my freedom be limited by what someone else thinks? Listen, you live as freely as you want to live, but when you come into contact with another believer, you defer to their struggles and show grace and mercy. Because it's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about God and bringing him glory. And so we defer. I mean, here's the thing. We can't sacrifice our preferences. And God sacrificed his life and said, take up your cross and follow me. And we're like, oh, yeah, we die for you. You can't even give up McDonald's for a day. And you're thinking you're going to die for Jesus? You can't give up your preferences and your desires. And you're willing to die for him? You see, you're deferring to the other person. You're saying, I love you like Christ loves you. Which means if anything I do offends you, I'm going to serve you. Now, I'm free to do whatever I, whatever I want. But it's not always beneficial. And so we show liberty and we don't cast judgment. We will all stand before God and give an account. But we must remember that it is not our place to cast judgment on another Christian. I want you to understand this really clearly. John 16, 8. This is scripture. If you don't like it, I don't really know what to do with it. It's scripture. But this is the beautiful thing of scripture is it kind of alleviates me from being the bad guy. John 16, 8 says this. And when he, speaking of the Holy Spirit, when he comes... He, the Holy Spirit, will convict the world of its sin and God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The Holy Spirit's going to convict people. Now, I might preach and you might feel convicted. But I didn't get up here today and go, man, I'm going to send them a message that will convict them. I just wanted to preach the gospel and preach truth. If it convicts you, that's by the power of the Holy Spirit. But if my intention in writing the sermon was to convict, then I have misplaced 
my attitude, and my spirit. Because it is not my responsibility to convict. And here it is. Is it possible to believe that we serve a God big enough to convict people in the areas they need convicted? If he's big enough to do it, then that alleviates me from having to be the bad guy. I can just speak the truth in love and move on. And if someone says, well, pastor, you are preaching right to me. Whoa, I don't even know you. It ain't on me. You see, we don't need to attack people with our judgments. We, can sh- we, we are afforded the liberty to show liberty to other people. Because we get to just follow the example of Jesus. The Spirit alone convicts, and he convicts different people of different things at different times, so we must show grace. What might be a conviction for you might not be a conviction for the person sitting right next to you. And it's not that they may not need to grow to that maturity level. It's just that is it possible that God knows what they need to be convicted of and when they need to be convicted of it? Right? And so if we cast judgment and conviction onto some, someone prematurely, then we pour on them false guilt that they were never intended to bear. The Spirit will work out conviction on His own. I get to just love you, to show mercy, to show grace. But see, we want to bring the hammer. We want to be judgmental. And God's going, no, you don't need to worry about that. I got that. I'll do the hard stuff so you can do the easy stuff. It's not that what's in another person's life doesn't need to change. It's just that it might not be the most pressing thing in their life. I had a man come to me one time, and he struggled with alcohol. And so the Lord convicted him of alcohol. And then as the Lord convicted him of that, he began to get clean, and he began to confess more things. He goes, now I'm starting to think that, I smoke too much. Now I'm starting to think that uh, I have a caffeine problem. Now I'm starting to confess that I have a pornography problem. And you see, he had all these problems. And oftentimes we want to attack people for their one visible issue. But God, in his infinite knowledge, sees all their struggles. And he picks the conviction that they need most in that moment. And he addresses that one. And then he'll take care of moving on to the rest. We don't need to get ahead of God. We just need to love them. Love them into repentance and love them into restoration. Sometimes the way we protect others is from our own judgment, giving allowance for their spiritual growth and trusting the Holy Spirit to do just what Jesus said he would do. We love, we pray, we show grace, we teach, and the Spirit convicts. That is just what Jesus did. He loved, he prayed, he showed grace, and he taught. We all know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. We all know that part, and we love to preach that part, and we love to declare that part, but we always neglect John 3.17. 
He did not come into the world to condemn the world. We have a whole society out there who thinks that Jesus came to condemn us because the church has been condemning them. And so we must unravel that. And by the way, I don't mean this church. I just mean the church as a whole. Okay? I, I've, I've met you and I believe you to be a, a very good and strong church. But if we are going to restore faith in the community of God, we need to live unified And that means that we honor one another. That means we protect one another. And that means we show liberty to one another. I'm going to wrap it up with a story here for a moment. And it's a story that you're familiar with. It's uh, the woman who is caught in adultery. And it's in John 8. And it's interesting because they bring this woman who is caught in adultery. And they throw her at the feet of Jesus. And they're about to stone her. And mind you, these stones aren't small pebbles. These are aggressive and violent mobs. And they're set on stoning this woman. And they say that she was caught in the very act. Which, by the way, if you read scripture like I do, you kind of go, what are these peeping toms doing that they caught her in the very act? Like, do these people have nothing better to do than to catch people sinning? Um... And so they bring her to Jesus, and they throw her on the ground, say, Jesus, what should we do? Moses says to stone her. Jesus goes, and he begins to write on the ground. And he looks up at him, begins to write on the ground. And then with his simple words, I I love it because Jesus was a man of few words which is teaching me to speak less and say more. And Jesus looked at him and said, whoever is without sin, throw the first stone. And it says, from the oldest to the youngest, began to drop the stones. And they walked away. And then Jesus, with all the love in his heart, kneels back down to this woman And he looks at her. He says, woman, where are your accusers? She says, nowhere, Lord. He says, then neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. You see, the church needs to be a place where we set down the stones. And we look the lost and the broken in the eye and say, hey, I'm not condemning you. I'm here for you. Go and sin no more. I love Jesus because I feel like he always opened up conversations. Because if he looked at the woman and said, go and sin no more, I feel like she probably echoed back, can you tell me what sin specifically? Right? And I I think the church needs to be more like that in the sense of we just need to be like, go and sin no more until people get convicted by the Spirit to where they start going, Can you tell me what that is? Then we open the door of conversation. You see, Colton's going to come up and and, and we're going to sing another version of that echo holy. And it says that gathered at the highest throne. You see, we're all going to give an account. And whether you like it or not, there are going to be people in heaven 
that you didn't get along with here on earth. We're going to be unified for eternity. Gathered before the highest throne. So we might as well start here. Jesus says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven's unified. Will the church be unified? Will we honor, protect, and show liberty where it's due? Will we love one another? Will we be kind to one another? This is the mission of the church, to live in unity by honoring one another, by protecting one another, and by showing liberty to one another. In this way, we reflect a good God to a lost world. I mean, how wonderful would it be if people stepped into Hope Central or they stepped into Cap City and they said, man, I didn't hear a negative word or gossip or anything about anybody in that church. They are so unified in reaching people for the gospel. It's miraculous. I want to live in unity with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to restore relationships. I want to be like the mountain of Hermon that offers a fresh renewal to the community that digs deep into the soil and produces much fruit. I want to be refreshing like the morning dew, tender, loving, and gentle. Bow your heads with me. Lord God, as we come together even today, joining in unity one with another, Help us, Lord God, to look across the row at our neighbors and our friends and choose to show honor, choose to protect one another, and choose, Lord God, to show liberty. Because in doing these things, Lord God, we are freed to pray and show grace and love and mercy. And so help us, Lord God, to be more like you and a little less like us. For you must increase and we must decrease. Because it's not about me, but it's all about him. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Gathered at the highest throne.
what a powerful word this morning. With their heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. Would there be anybody here that say, Pastor David, just pray for me because there is something between me and somebody. I don't need to know who it is. Nobody else may need to know who it is. But I really want to be a person who lives and talks and speaks in the unity that Jesus talked about. And just, just pray for me. Every head bowed and no eyes looking around. Would you just slip your hand up and put it down? I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. Would you be that? Oh, God bless you. Yes, yes. Yes, God bless you. There's just something between me and somebody that's not resolved. It may not even be your fault, but it's just not resolved. Just pray for me. God bless you. Yes. 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 Our Father, we know how important unity is to you. And as Jesus prayed that, that we who believe, after the disciples believed, that we would have such perfect unity that the world will know that the Father sent you. Lord, as a representative of the church of Jesus Christ in the bigger dimension, I just want to say forgive us for Lord how we've argued and how we've belittled and how we've let differences destroy that unity. Lord I pray today as we are gathered here I want to lift up these precious people who lifted their hands. I don't know what they're referring to, but Lord, you do. I don't know what the circumstances are, but you do. And Lord, I am keenly aware that there are some circumstances that can never be resolved. I know that. But Lord, I just pray that for every hand that was lifted and every hand that wished to be lifted, that you would just fall upon them today in gentleness and greatness. Heal the wound in their heart. And then, Lord, I pray that you will help them to reach out to others. And that person or persons who hurt them. Forgiveness brings us into unity. So, Lord, thank you for what we've heard today. Make us a person who is committed to endeavoring with everything that is in us to keep unity in the body of Christ. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. 
Thank you, Pastor Jacob. I think we ought to give him a hand. Wonderful, wonderful word. We need to all have this on our mantle uh, because you can't read it, but I do. It says, don't throw stones. And that's like, uh, you know, you're, when you're a little kid, don't throw that. Uh, but as you get bigger, uh, don't throw stones. We'd like at this time to say goodbye to those who are worshiping with us online. Thank you so much for tuning in to Cap City, and we thank you for all that God is doing. And we want you to know we're praying for you. You are part of our fellowship, and we thank you for being part of what we're doing today. So may the Lord bless you. You will see uh, if you desire to give. Uh, that it will be on your screen there as you depart, and we trust that you can feel free to do that. I'm going to ask the ushers, if they will, at this time to take their places, and we will wait upon you for our morning.